Good morning. I welcome you to worship here on this third Sunday of Advent at the North Hollywood First United Methodist Church. Um, I'd like to invite you to register your attendance in the red books that are at the end of the pews. Just take it, pass it down once you've got your, uh, your, inf- your, your attendance registered there. Also, um, as I remind you again, this might be a good time to take out your phone, make sure it's on silent, and maybe even check in um, on Facebook that you're here so other people know that good stuff is happening here on Sunday morning and other days as well. But uh, by all means, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. And today we are at that day where we light the candle of joy, where we are coming and expressing the joy of Christ with us, of God with us. May we uh, receive the child again today as we worship. Will you pray with me? Holy God, um, we ask that the spirit of joy would rise up in us, even as we rise up to worship you. We pray this in the name of the coming Christ. Amen. And I do invite you to stand and open up your red hymn books and let us join together in our opening hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful.
us pray. Lord, we have come to this place from a world of demands and schedules. We have sought your hope and peace and have found them here. Now we seek the inner joy that only your presence can bring to our lives. Open our hearts and our spirits to your love this morning. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You will now please open your bulletins. We will join together in the call to worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Sing with joy, for the Lord is near. may be seated and we've come to the lighting of the advent wreath by the modest family So I am going to invite the children forward for a little children's moment at this time. You can sit right here. How's that? Yeah, you can sit right there. Mm -hmm. So, all right, this is your spot right here. Playing the what would you say, the elf on the shelf? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> hey, um, have you guys ever thought about how people get their names? Maybe. You don't know? Uh, do you know how you got your name? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know if you heard that, but uh, Henry was saying that uh, when uh, his parents found out that he was a boy, um, they spent a lot of time thinking and thinking and thinking and trying to come up with a name. And they, so, but they gave him his name, Henry. Do you know what Henry means? A little bit? Uh, uh, just a little bit? What, 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 is, what does Henry mean? That's right. Home ruler. <laughs> it comes from the German, Heinrich. And is he the ruler of the home? He, he likes to think so. Okay. All right. All right. 
Okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, what about you two? Do you guys, do you know how you got your names? Yeah. yeah. My dad Okay, so you got named after your parents. That happens a lot. People get named after their parents and, um, you know, uh, after, after their great, some people do. Some people do get named after their great-grandmothers. After your grandfather. Mm -hmm. off, off. Yeah, and there's often these names that get handed down through the families. Do you know, do you know what your name means, Annabelle? No? No. It, it means creepy doll. No, it doesn't mean creepy doll. Annabelle actually means lovable. Yep. Yeah. Are you lovable, Annabelle? Not when you're hitting your sister like that. Do you know what Ashley means? It's a clearing among the ash trees. So it's like a quiet, peaceful place. It's the lee of the ash trees. So it's like a clearing in the middle of the forest. Uh, so, our, our, but these names all mean something, and they're names that our parents give to you. Today, in the, in our, um, as we follow the Christmas story, we're going to be hearing about names being given to one of Jesus' cousins. Um, and his father was a priest in the temple, and um, an angel came and said that he and his wife were going to have a child, even though they hadn't had one yet, and... She was, uh, in, in rather tactfully, Scripture says, beyond childbearing age. Um, and um, and Zechariah doesn't believe the angel, doesn't believe that they're going to have a baby. So the angel says, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to talk until the baby comes. And you will name him John. And um, um, so Zechariah suddenly can't talk. And can you imagine not being able to talk for nine months, ten months? No, yeah, it's the quiet game's not your favorite game, is it? No, yeah, it's the worst game ever. <laughs> well, so when it comes time for them to name the child, they're getting ready to name him Zechariah, and Zechariah can't talk, but he gets everybody's attention, and they bring a little chalkboard over, and he writes, his name is John. And it, was a, it stunned everybody, uh, because wouldn't you name him Zechariah? Uh, which was the custom. You name your firstborn son after the father. But he was told to name him John because he was going to do great things and prepare the way for Jesus. So that's uh, how John the Baptist got his name. And, um, and interestingly enough, the name, you know, it's, it's just how it comes. So sometimes there is a purpose with the name we're given. Although I'm pretty sure that you're not meant to be the ruler of the house, Henry. Um, yep, he is. All right, let's pray, and then we're going to send you guys off to Sunday school, okay? Can you guys put your hands together? Annabelle, can you put your hands together for me? Maybe? Oh, okay. All right, let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for the love that we have in our families and for the names that our parents gave us. And Lord, we, we pray that we might uh, come to fulfill the purposes that you have for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right? Okay, you guys, thanks for being awesome. Please open your red hymnals to number 218. It came upon a midnight clear.
this morning's offertory, there was another plan. And then I was really inspired this early morning by a show called CBS Sunday Morning. I don't know how many of you watch it, so I thought I'd share this with all of you. A lot of people ignore the homeless, but folks rushing past Moses Elder might regret their haste. This week, all people had to do was pay him some attention, and he would pay them back with $100. Moses' mission was financed by Secret Santa, the same anonymous wealthy businessman who every year goes around the country handing out $100 bills to random strangers. This holiday season, in addition to his normal giving, he came to Phoenix, Arizona, or went to Phoenix, Arizona, and recruited a most likely most unlikely homeless elf. He gave Moses $3,000 with the instruction to give it away to whomever he saw fit. I think this will be a joyful experience for him. You know, it's a myth that the homeless just take. From my experience, the people with the least to give uh, give the most of what they have. This is what Secret Santa said. CBS News saw that too. Danny McCoy walked by and put change in Moses' cup, even though he had seven kids, and until that very moment, he didn't even know how he was going to buy Christmas presents for all of them. He received the $100 bill and began crying. I'm eternally grateful for what he did, Danny said. That's the kind of relief Moses brought to so many people. Most of those he blessed were total strangers, but not all. He did give one man from church that needed help $400, and he gave a homeless mother of five $500. And he told her, remember, people appreciate you with your kind, giving heart that you take care of your kids the way you do. Of course, in the end, Secret Santa also gave Moses some money to keep for himself. This here is a new beginning for me, Moses said. But he said that reward pales to the joy he received from helping others. Today, we changed a lot of people's lives, but I believe my life was changed the most. He said, even when you're homeless, it feels so much better to give than to receive. You know, kindness is a bridge between all people. And so if, you've ever, if you're ever down and you want to lift yourself up, go do something kind for someone. And that's from Secret Santa. It may make you feel like way more than a hundred bucks. The ushers will wait upon the congregation for this morning's tithes and offerings.
Lord of light, you gave yourself to this world by the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. We thankfully rejoice and praise you for your peace and light shared with all nations. Now, center us on the King of glory during these prayerful moments of giving. We present these gifts as your humble and willing servants in the name of the one who comes to us anew, Jesus, the living Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Will you join me in prayer? O 
holy and loving God. You think of the words of John Lennon when he writes, all you need is love. That love is all we need. And certainly, Lord, love is one of those things that makes the world go round. We think of the words that John wrote in his letter to the church that says that God is love. Yet we also recognize that love is not God. But we long to be like you. We long to love you. And we long to love the way that you love. So Lord, as we enter into this story of the nativity into the story of Christ. Lord, we pray that we would find those ways to love. For when we look out at the world and we see all that troubles it, when we see the way that hate and anger, when we see the overt prejudice and prejudice, when we see racism, when we see violence, Lord, we know that these, these things can only be overcome through love. Lord, we confess that we have fallen short in your commandment to Love one another as you have loved us. So we ask that you would forgive our sins, the ones that we have consciously committed, knowing that it wasn't the right thing. But we also pray for those sins we have committed without even thinking, without even knowing. And the times that we have sinned by not doing something. Because we are confident in your love, in your mercy, in your grace. And we ask that it would be poured out over us. But only, Lord, if we can somehow take what you give us and share it with the world around us. So, Lord, may we be light in this world. May we be your love. Even as we pray for uh, the world, Lord, even as we pray for those in Yemen that are continually, um, that are starving, that are continually in danger as a result of that war. Lord, we pray that somehow there would be an end to that, even as we remove as a nation our, our involvement Lord, we pray that that would hasten the end of this war. Lord, there one example of conflict, but Lord, we pray for the day when your peace would reign in this world and when we would turn weapons into plowshares and we would study war no more. Lord, we also think of those that are dealing with loss. Again, we continue to think for those that are still um, struggling to come to grips with what the wildfires here in California have wrought. And Lord, we pray that 
um, step by step, that they would um, grow in their reassurance that it's going to be okay. That you would continue to raise up people around them to support them and help them through this time. And Lord, we pray for those who are sick, those that um, are feeling down, those that need encouragement, those that are, are looking for a new job, or maybe those that are struggling at the position that they're in. Um, Lord, we, we've been asked to pray for people, people who are in their last days, people who are dealing with pain. So Lord, in a moment of silence, we offer up to you the requests for ourselves and for those that we love and for those that have asked us to pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers, even as we offer up the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Good morning, and I will t want to take a moment of personal privilege to wish you all a very happy and Merry Christmas. I am going to Maryland, and I will miss my church family, and I will be thinking of you and praying for all of you on Christmas Eve. I am reading from Luke chapter 39. I mean, pardon me, Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 56, from the New International Version, Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready 
and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Mary, Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as she heard of your greeting, pardon me, as soon as the sound of your, your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble status of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I'm going to ask a, a, a question here. How many of you remember the Brady Bunch? How many of you grew up on the Brady Bunch, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up wanting to be Greg Brady, which is kind of funny because I was looking in the mirror today. I'm like, gosh, I kind of have Greg Brady hair this morning. But I, I also had a crush on Marsha. And I think that I may have seen every single episode of the Brady Bunch. Um, and I remember Jan and Cindy and uh, Peter and Bobby and Alice and Sam the Butcher, right? And I, but I always wondered, what is the deal with Cousin Oliver? <laughs> he kind of seemed to magically appear. And we never saw Cousin Oliver's parents. He just was kind of hanging out around the house. And, and I sometimes still lay awake at night thinking, why was he on the show? I've since come to find out that I'm not the only one. I was doing some research on this and found out that he was the single um, most disliked character in the Brady Bunch and that they had brought him on the show because they needed someone that was young and cute, but the general sense was he wasn't young enough and he wasn't cute enough either. So anyways, uh, Cousin Oliver... Um, but in the nativity story, up to this point, this all ties together, I promise. You know, we've examined two principal characters. We've had uh, Mary, and then we've examined Joseph. And uh, we've talked about, um, you know, how 
the person that they are and where they're from tells us about God, about baby Jesus, and about how we're supposed to respond to God when God comes and pokes us and has something for us to do. Um, This week, we have Cousin Elizabeth, the cousin that Mary traveled to to stay with when she found herself pregnant uh, during um, during her betrothal. And the question is, why would Mary have traveled to go and be with Elizabeth? Well, let's talk a little bit about where uh, Elizabeth and her husband lived. They lived in a town called Ein Karim, which is a small suburb of of Jerusalem. And it's about five miles southwest of of Jerusalem. Um, That's about 85 miles south from Nazareth. So, um, you know, it basically, it would be... um, like here to the far end of Sherman Oaks from Jerusalem. And if we wanted to go 85 miles, I think that would put it down just north of San Diego from, from where Nazareth was, where Mary lived. And um, anyways, Ein Karim means uh, spring of the vineyard. And it's nestled in the hills that surround Jerusalem. And it's probably about the same size as Bethlehem. So it's not like it's a bigger town or a hipper town. It's kind of about the same size as Bethlehem, where where Joseph is from. And the people there were probably farmers and tended their vines and sold their fruit in the big city of Jerusalem. So remember, Bethlehem is house of bread, and there were bakers, and they sold their bread in Jerusalem. Well, Ein Karim is a place where they grew grapes, and they would go and sell them in the city. And the population was diverse. There was a pretty big Roman population in the, in the town at the time, which might have meant that there was a Roman temple as well. So there was, some, there was culture that was beyond simply the, the Hebrew tradition. Um, and, you know, when the modern town of Ein Karim is actually a very popular place to stop uh, when you go on pilgrimage. Um, I've happened to have been there and stopped at the Church of the Visitation which is a place that commemorates Mary coming to visit cousin Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth had a husband. His name was Zechariah, and he served as a priest at the temple in Jerusalem. And you can't help but wonder, if if Zechariah was a priest in Jerusalem, then why did Elizabeth and Zechariah live in a suburb? Why did they live five miles outside of town in Ein Karim? Scripture tells us that these were good people, righteous people, of course. You know, if Zechariah was a priest and and he had to to go and and do stuff at the temple, offer prayers, offer sacrifices, you know, of course, Zechariah was a good priestly person. Um, But Scripture tells us that they uh, observed the Lord's commandments, they observed the laws of God, of Moses, and all the kosher regulations, they were, they were really good Jewish people. However, even though they were righteous people, they didn't have any children. And that's a big deal. You have to remember that children were seen as blessings. And when we talk about blessings, that meant that they were a reward for being righteous. And to not have children would have raised eyebrows for all who knew Zechariah and all who knew Elizabeth. 
How could a priest in the temple and his wife not have children? Of all people, surely the priest would be the one that was blessed to have children. And it would have been seen as a point of shame. People would have wondered what sin Elizabeth had committed or what had happened in their family in previous generations. They probably would not have questioned Zechariah, but they would have assumed that the sin was Elizabeth and would have weighed heavily on their hearts. And that might explain why they lived in Ankarim. They were close enough so that when it was time for Zechariah to go to the temple, he could walk there for, for his shifts. And he could come home once he was done, away from the drama of the city and away from the whispers of his colleagues. But the Christmas story begins, actually, with Elizabeth and Zechariah. One day, Zechariah is serving a shift in the temple. And he's chosen to go in and burn incense in the Holy of Holies. And when I say chosen, this is how they would do it. They'd gather in a circle and the chief priest would hold a series of, of sticks in his hand, and all of them were the same length except for one, and everybody would have to pick a stick. And whoever drew the short stick would be the one who would go in to the Holy of Holies and offer the sacrifice and burn the incense. The short stick. And what they would do is they would come, and the one who had joined, who had, had um, drawn that short stick, they would tie a rope around their waist, the person's waist, and they would all stand around, and that person would then walk in, spread the curtains, and walk in, and let the curtains close behind them, and enter into the Holy of Holies, where they would go and burn the incense and say the prayers. Are you, are you wondering why they tied the rope around his waist? Yeah. The reason why they did that was it was thought that if during the prayer of invocation, if the Lord's glory would somehow appear present with them in the Holy of Holies, that they would fall to the ground dead. And the rope was there so that the other priests could pull the remains of the priest out of the Holy of Holies so that they could do a proper burial without exposing themselves to, to that danger. So it was both an honor and it was also a very frightening thing. So Zechariah goes into the Holy of Holies and he says his prayer and he's burning the incense and an angel appears to him. Can you imagine how afraid Zechariah must have been in that moment? But the angel comes and he has a message, a message for Zechariah. He says, you know, the Lord has heard your prayers and Elizabeth is going to bear a son, a son who will be filled with the spirit of the Lord and will prepare the way of the people for the Lord. And of course, Zechariah does not believe it because as he puts it to the angel, my wife is past the age of giving birth. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's tactful or insulting. Uh, just gentlemen, those of you that are, are, are married to your, your, your wives, um, don't, 
don't use that as a description as how old your wife is. All right? Um, but the angel insists that, that no, this is really going to happen. And then tells Zechariah that he's not going to be able to speak until the child is born. And that he is to name the child John. And Zechariah comes out and he can't talk. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's had a vision. And, and, he, you know, and they send him home. And sure enough, what does he find out? Elizabeth is pregnant. And I'm sure that the news of Elizabeth's pregnancy has made its way 85 miles north to Nazareth. And if it hadn't, the angel informs Mary that if you don't believe what I'm telling you is, is possible, then go and visit your cousin who is already with child. So when Mary learns that the angel's words have come true and that she is pregnant, she knows that if anybody is going to believe her story, it's going to be Elizabeth. Remember, we talked about how Mary is a frightened young woman, vulnerable and in a sticky situation. If she's going to be able to bring this child to birth, she's going to need support and she's going to need guidance. She's going to need a place of safety. She needs a friendly face, a listening ear, a caring heart, and a trustworthy soul. And she finds all of those things in her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth and Zechariah are probably the people who helped her break the news to Joseph. You know, it's possible that, that when Joseph learns that Mary is going to be nearby in Ein Karim, that he wants to go and see and visit with the woman who has been promised to him. And that's probably when he discovered Mary's predicament. So Mary needed Elizabeth. She needed Elizabeth to support her, to care for her and encourage her. And if we're all honest, we all need Elizabeths in our lives. We need to have role models and, and mentors to guide us and to encourage us as we make our way through life. I don't care what stage of life you are in, you need those people. For me, one of the people I think about is Dr. Ellington, who was uh, one of my seminary professors. And um, when I was finishing up uh, seminary and I had been ordained and was waiting for my first appointment, it was Dr. Ellington that really um, came alongside me and, and guided me through that. He'd been an influential person up to that point, and... Um, I'd been offered an appointment that would have meant a tremendous change in my life. Um, and I was an emotional wreck at that point. And I went in to see Dr. Ellington, and, um, and in five minutes, he had put me back together. He had given me words to go back and speak to the appointed of cabinet um, in regards, you know, that honored the request and said that I would go and serve, but also to express what I was feeling. And, um, and lo and behold, it all worked out in the way that it should have worked out. And I honestly don't know if I would be standing here today if it weren't for Dr. Ellington. And the second thing is not only are we 
Do we need Elizabeths in our lives? But we also need to be an Elizabeth to someone else. We all know people who are trying to find their way in life and their place in life. We know people who are trying to, uh, to figure out how to move forward in their faith, in their career, in their family, in their relationships. And we all know people who are dealing with something that maybe we have just finished wading through. Things like grief and loss, relocation, relationship transitions, marriage, children, career decisions, financial issues. And when we step into that role of mentor or counselor or confidant, we help God fulfill his will. We help God fulfill the purpose of his people. And we get to participate in the way that God blesses us. In other words, it's a privilege to be in that role. It's a privilege to take on this role in people's lives. And the last thing I want to um, point I want to make is that Elizabeth teaches us and Mary about the true nature of blessedness. And I want you to stop and think about this. Usually when we hear the word blessed or blessed, we think of things being great perfect, and overflowing. And Elizabeth immediately recognizes that Mary is carrying the baby Jesus. And she proclaims Mary as being blessed. And I'm not sure if when Mary walked through that door, she was feeling particularly blessed. But when we read Mary's song that we call the Magnificat, was a part of our, our um, scripture today, we see that she realizes that while she may be carrying a heavy load, and while she may face suffering and uncertainty, she recognizes that God is doing something for the whole world through her. And a biblical scholar wrote in a commentary on St. Luke, said, that the piercing truth is that God does not choose a person for ease and comfort and selfish joy, but for a task that will take all that head and heart and hand can bring to it. In other words, God's blessings are not about ease. God's blessings are not about comfort, but instead are about the joy of being a part of God's work a part uh, of, of being used by God for God's purposes and being accompanied by God's presence even in the face of adversity. So when we face difficult times and challenges, we can air all of our anger and pain. We can air it all out. We can let it fly. But our task is to get to the place where we can pray, God, I trust that somehow you will be at work in the midst of this and that you will bring good out of it. I trust that you are walking with me. But we're not going to get there without an Elizabeth to support us. We're not going to get there unless we have an Elizabeth that is going to help us see beyond ourselves. And once we get there, 
and have seen how God works, then we can help other people get there too. This Advent season, as we prepare our hearts and our lives to receive Jesus again, let's pause and let's give thanks for the Elizabeths in our lives. And may we be inspired to be an Elizabeth to someone else. And may we all come to understand the true nature of blessing.
We've come to a time of announcements. If I could direct your attention to the back of the bulletin. If you're new here for the first time, there's contact information up top. You can write the office and let us know how we can be here for you as a church. Um, big things. Today is the UMW Boutique. I hope you brought cash. They have lots of fun things in front of the lounge, or it might be inside, but join us in the lounge for a time of fellowship and refreshment and shopping. All right. Thursday, the 20th, is the Peanut Butter and Jelly Project, the PB&J Project. 150 sandwiches will be made for the North Hollywood Interfaith Food Pantry. The time has changed because of a Wesley School event in the evening, so we'll be doing it at 10 a.m. in the lounge. Everyone is welcome to come if you'd like to help. Um, Bible study is that evening, Thursday the 20th at 7 p.m. Lately, it's been in the community room. It might be in there again this Thursday, but it will be an extension and a more in-depth look at Cousin Elizabeth. So come on down Thursday evening at 7, and Pastor Steve would love to see you there. On Saturday at 9 a.m., December 22nd, there's a little space for you to write this on the back of your bulletin here. Write down that you're going to come and help put away the tree lot. I, <laughs> and Dan says very nicely, please come help. Put, put the tree lot away. I heard that they sold over 700 trees. Is that right? Does that sound right, Dan? He left to the tree lot. I think they have 90 left. Did you buy your tree yet? Do you know someone that needs a tree? Go on out today. 90 more trees, and they're going to hit their goal for this year, and they've done really well. So thank you so much, tree lot elves. On Sunday, December 23rd, aside from our normal morning services, don't forget that in the evening, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., there will be a blue Christmas service in Boyer Chapel with Pastor Steve. This is for those that would like to say a prayer for the loss of a loved one, or maybe you're just feeling down. Come join us and feel uplifted this season when it's always not very easy. Okay, and Monday, December 24th, Christmas Eve services. Inside of your bulletins, you should have possibly this beautiful flyer. We give them to you every week because our hope is you're going to hand this out to one person every week. So make that your goal if you can. We have a 7 p.m. service, you can see on the back, and an 11 p.m. service with more details. And the first service is what you are used to at Christmas Eve. Um, with a children's time, chancel choir, and always candlelight. But in the evening, it's going to be something quite different at 11 o'clock, and we're really excited about it. I'm so excited to see what Pastor Steve brings to Christmas Eve at 11. But it's going to have communion and lots of candlelight and music as well. So please join us and put that in your calendar. And the poinsettia trees are up, or the poinsettia tree is up. And there is an order form inside of your bulletin. You can still dedicate in honor or in memory of a loved one, and it will be added to the bulletins at Christmas Eve. So please fill that out and drop it by the office, if you will. And Ultra Flowers, if you can sign up with me, please, or Nyleen. Um, we're getting the whole year of Ultra Flowers filled out for 2019. And with those things in our hearts and minds, let us conclude this morning's worship. As we prepare to go forth from here, may you give thanks for those that have come alongside you to lift you, to encourage you, to guide you. May you do the same for another. And may 
the spirit of love fill you and overflow that the world encounters the love of Christ through you. Go in peace, go in power. Amen.